0: Hey everybody, welcome back to our series on the Holy Spirit called NUMA. More about that in just a second. First, I wanna say a huge hello to every single one of you who are watching. So grateful that you've tuned in uh, here with us at C3 Los Angeles. My name is Jake, my beautiful wife Nicole and I have the great privilege of leading C3 LA. Great church here uh, in the LA area. And uh, so looking forward to when we can come together in person. Again, I know you all are as well, but at the same time, so grateful that as a church, we haven't missed a beat. We've been gathering every single week right here for Church Online, but also taking the experience all throughout the week with our neighborhood groups, gathering over Zoom calls and uh, just staying connected with each other. Um, So intentionally, so proud of every single one of you for that. You guys are giving generously. You're sowing of your lives. You're continuing to believe in the mission of the church. So grateful for every single one of you. I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And we're going to begin in verse 15 uh, as we continue this series. These are the words of Jesus. And he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. I want to uh, title today's message The Doppelganger of Jesus. And as we wrap up volume one of this series, um, I want to turn our attention to a term, a word that John records Jesus as using to describe the Holy Spirit throughout the Last Supper. Uh, For those of you who are maybe unfamiliar with the Last Supper, uh, it is, as the name suggests, the final meal that Jesus shared with his disciples uh, on the evening before uh, his crucifixion. And I remind us of that because the setting and the timing of the Last Supper, uh, they provide the context for what Jesus says to his disciples during that meal. And they provide the context for the term that Jesus uses to uh, describe the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus' words over the course of the Last Supper are often referred to as his final discourse. And they are recorded in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, with chapter 17 being a prayer of Jesus. And in a certain sense, uh, these three chapters in John, they are complementary to the Sermon on the Mount, which Jesus preached and is recorded in Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus declares the law or the ethics of the kingdom of God. And here in the final discourse, Jesus declares the power by which his disciples will live those ethics out. And that's really what he's talking to his disciples about at this moment, how they are going to live out the remainder of their lives, which sounds like a really big subject to broach over dinner. But remember, the next day, Jesus is going to the cross. He's going to be crucified. And even though he will be resurrected, ultimately, as he talks about during the meal, he's going back to the Father in heaven. So he needs to prepare them for what life will be like without him there in physical bodily form. And that brings us to the term that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit uh, here in those three chapters. And the term uh, in English is paraclete, P-A-R-A-C-L-E-T-E. And it comes from the Greek word Parakletos. Now, the passage that we just read translates it using the word helper, which is probably the best modern English word to, um, to use. But truthfully, no modern English word really captures everything that Paraclete expresses. The literal definition is somebody who's been called to walk alongside you. That's the Holy Spirit as Jesus describes him to us uh, here in John 14, 15, and 16. He uses the term Paraclete because he wants the disciples to know that even though he's gotta go, they're not gonna be alone. They're still gonna have somebody walking alongside of them. And that somebody is the Holy Spirit. This brings up a really important theological point about the Holy Spirit, which is that uh, he is simultaneously distinct from God the Father and God the Son, and yet also completely one with God the Father and God the Son. In fact, he's so one with them that Jesus begins the passage we read by saying that the Father is going to give the Holy Spirit to us. But then only a couple of sentences later, Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus interchangeably refers to the Holy Spirit as a distinct person, but then also as his own person, which means that the Holy Spirit is not the doppelganger of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not a Jesus lookalike. He's not diet Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. Jesus without the body, living in our bodies. Now, lots of people have doppelgangers. Justin Timberlake has a doppelganger. Leonardo DiCaprio has a doppelganger. Even Jesus has doppelgangers, as we'll talk about in a little bit. But the Holy Spirit is not one of them. The Holy Spirit is the right now presence of Jesus in the earth and inside of us. And that's why Jesus uses this term paraclete to describe the Holy Spirit to us because he wants his disciples, he wants us to know that even though he's not here in physical form, he's still here in spiritual form doing what he's always done. What did Jesus do with the disciples for three years? He walked alongside of them. What does the Holy Spirit now do? He walks alongside of us. He's the one who's been called to walk alongside of you. Essentially, you could summarize Jesus here as saying, I've got to go, but the Holy Spirit is coming and He is me with you all the time. Now think about that time frame of always and forever, and let that inform the kind of role that the Holy Spirit plays in your life, how significant He is to you. His role is immeasurably big and it's constant from start to eternity. The Holy Spirit is involved in the life of those who believe in the resurrected Jesus. In fact, the Holy Spirit is active in every single person's choice to follow Jesus in the first place. That's why Jesus said in John chapter three and verse five, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's why the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse three that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What that means is that the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts before we even begin to believe. And then he's with us every moment of every day after we believe. He's your paraclete, the one who walks beside you, the one who rests in you and on you and with you in order that daily you would take on more of his identity and be the expression of Christ in the earth. And I want to look at what that looks like in your life, what it means for Christ to express himself through the Holy Spirit in you. I want to highlight three different areas that the Holy Spirit transforms you and I into the image of Jesus Christ. We're not going to deep dive into any of them because they'll come up again in volume two of this series, which begins next week. But I at least want to highlight them to you so that you understand the depth of work that the Holy Spirit does in you and through you. The first area is our moral life. When the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, he gets involved in your morals. In fact, the Holy Spirit creates brand new morals in you. I said a moment ago that Jesus's promise of the Holy Spirit during the Last Supper is complementary to what he taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Well, just think about the kinds of moral standards that Jesus set during that sermon. Things like murder and adultery as uh, issues that actually begin as small, minute little thoughts and feelings in our heart, which means that none of us are as innocent as we might presume. How about like really, truly loving your enemy? I mean, most people I know, myself included, are still trying to figure out loving our neighbor. These are just two great examples of how the moral standard of Jesus His ethics are undeniably something which we still require the help and support of Jesus in order to uphold. Thank God we've been given the Holy Spirit in order to lean upon so that we can do this. And you probably lean upon the Holy Spirit in this way more ways than you realize. Like, have you ever prayed this prayer? God, help me forgive that person. Well, that's not a desire that's born of the mind of your flesh. Like our natural fallen man doesn't desire to forgive the people who have hurt us and wronged us deeply at all. That's a desire that's been birthed by the Holy Spirit in you. And that happens because the Holy Spirit is the righteousness of God. Everything that is right about God is embodied in the Holy Spirit who now lives on the inside of you. He's the reason that you start to feel maybe kind of guilty about certain behaviors that you didn't even think twice about before you became a follower of Jesus. That's not bad guilt. That's actually good guilt. Holy guilt, which is the Holy Spirit transforming you into the holiness of Jesus, without which Hebrews 12 and verse 14 says, no one will see the Lord. And that's actually true in a couple of different senses. First of all, If we don't have the holiness of Jesus, we won't see Jesus in eternity. He is perfection. He is holiness. And in order for you and I to stand in his presence and live, we need his holiness. Thank God the moment we place our faith in Christ, our spirits are made holy in an instant. And then we live the remainder of our lives from the inside out. The Holy Spirit working that holiness into our thoughts and our deeds and and our actions. A holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The other sense in which that is true is that people around you won't see Christ in you without the Holy Spirit manifesting His holiness in you. Without the Holy Spirit, our lives are nothing more than a hypocritical duality, powerless to actually point people to the risen Christ. I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit goes to work on my moral life and births and creates new morals in me that make me and make you more like Jesus. The other area that the Holy Spirit presents us as Christ to the world is in our minds. He transforms us into the image of Jesus by going to work on the way that we think. Think about how often Jesus challenged the way his disciples thought. He challenged their thinking on greatness, wealth, prayer, The storms of life, provision, sin, social barriers. I mean, you name it, he challenged them on the way they thought about a lot of different things. And the same is true today. The Holy Spirit wants to rewire our minds if we let him. Because not only is he the righteousness of God, he's also the wisdom of God. He's the truth of God. That's why Jesus called him in that passage that we read, the spirit of truth. First Corinthians chapter two, verses 11 and 12 say, "'For what man knows the things of a man "'except for the spirit of a man which is in him? "'Even so, no one can know the things of God "'except the spirit of God.'" Now we have received the spirit, not of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things of God freely given to us. Paul summarizes that teaching with one phrase, that we have been given the mind of Christ. Now, I want this reality to create in you such a hunger for the Holy Spirit that you would understand that the Holy Spirit with you is access to the thoughts of God, that walking beside you right now with you is the opinion of God about every single choice you have to make. What wisdom is available to you and I through the gift of the Holy Spirit? So many people live far beneath their God potential because they fail to realize that the thoughts of God are readily available to them if they would just lean into the spirit of God who's come to live on the inside of them. I'm praying that we don't miss that, that we'd be so motivated to ask for more and more of the Holy Spirit so that we can access the mind of God, the mind of Christ, God's thoughts and opinions about the way that we live our lives. The third area that the Holy Spirit presents Christ through us to the world is by giving us a ministry. Some of you are thinking, I don't have a ministry because you're not what the church classically calls a minister. Others of you are like, I don't even know what a ministry is. Wherever you're at with it, it's important that you understand that the moment you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive a ministry. To minister just means to serve. And because we have been given the Holy Spirit, you and I are now able to truly serve God, not as servants, but as friends. Jesus said to his disciples around that last supper meal, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. When we have the Holy Spirit living in us, it creates such deep intimacy and friendship with God so that we serve him out of a place of knowing what he loves. And therefore we do those things because we know that it pleases him so much. The Holy Spirit is the difference between serving God out of religious duty and serving God out of friendship. Anybody can serve God out of religion, but it takes the Holy Spirit to serve God in a way that truly gives life. One leads to death and burnout. The other leads to life and fulfillment because God loves the people who are around you just as much as he loves you. Oftentimes serving him is gonna look like serving them And we are able to do that by the Holy Spirit because not only is the Holy Spirit the righteousness of God and the wisdom of God, He is also the power of God residing on the inside of you and I so that you and I can serve the people in our world so that we can meet their needs the way that Christ met the needs of the people who came to Him. That in and of itself has a 1,001 different expressions, which we are going to explore more as we continue throughout this series. For now, I just want you to understand the depth of the promise that Jesus made to us when He promised us the paraclete, the one who walks alongside of us, letting us know that even though I'm not here in physical form, I'm with you always in spiritual form. And that has just as much power as it were if He were here beside us in the flesh. And because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, that means that you and I, actually now become the doppelgangers of Jesus. The question is, what kind of image of Christ do you want to be? Do you want to be like the dog with ramen noodles on his head, kind of like a cheap lookalike, but it's obviously not the real thing? Or do you want it to be like when somebody encounters you, it's like encountering a whole nother person entirely, encountering somebody entirely better, entirely greater, entirely stronger? That reality is entirely possible if you and I would give full reign to the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm praying right here and now that you would make a choice, a conscious choice on the inside of you to yield your life to the Holy Spirit, that you may receive more of Him, that you may drink of the river of life, giving Him full reign in your day-to-day living. I'm gonna pray right now, in fact, for all of you who are watching you just open up your heart maybe just turn your palms toward heaven just as a, a sign of openness right where you are to receive more of the Holy Spirit I'm believing that right now now three weeks into this series that you're going to receive a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit right where you're sitting in your home in your apartment wherever you are Father we thank you for the free gift of your Holy Spirit the gift who is available for every single one of us Jesus, we know that you came to baptize us in your Holy Spirit. I'm praying right now that you would baptize every single one of us into your spirit. We wanna receive more of your spirit, God, that we would walk in a way that pleases you, that we would experience such great friendship with you. I pray for a fresh impartation right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, would you touch people wherever they are Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with power. Renew their minds in the name of Jesus. Lord, we invite you to go to work on our morals, our ethics. Father, all of the ways that we live that maybe don't bring you honor or glory, that don't please you. Lord, point those out to us right now through your Holy Spirit. Help us to yield to you, God, that we may bring you all the honor and all the glory. I thank you, Lord, that you're touching hearts all across the city of Los Angeles and beyond right here and now. In the name of Jesus, I thank you more, God. We want more of you. Give more of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We make you the goal of our whole lives, Lord. Your presence is the prize. We thank you that you freely give to those who ask, seek, and knock. We love you, Lord Jesus. Maybe some of you right now, you need to take a preliminary step really before you um, begin to experience the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And that preliminary, pr- preliminary step is just to put your faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit's actually at work in you right now. He's convicting you of sin. He's pointing out the, the part of you who you are that is so empty without Christ. You've got this, this hole in your heart that only God can fill. Every single one of us has it. Scriptures say that God placed eternity on the inside of us. None of us can change that. We can't get rid of that eternal desire that only God can fill. I wanna invite you and encourage you right now, like today, to make the decision to put your trust in Jesus Christ. I'm inviting you into a relationship. It's not religion. It's not some nameless, ambiguous spirituality. It's a relationship with the living God, the God who knows your name, knows everything there is to know about you, and yet loves you infinitely and unconditionally. Would you right now make a choice to give your life to Him? Maybe you've been living for relationship, career, self-satisfaction. I don't know what you've been living for, but you know that you need to live for God. He's the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we all have to get to a point where we lay down our pride, stop trying to live life on our own terms and become a follower of Jesus, reciprocate the love that He showed to us when He laid down His life. On the cross, Would you do that right now? I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray for you, I would love you to click that button says, raise my hand. If we are all in a room together right now and say, hey, do you want to follow Jesus? And I'd invite you to do that. But this is just as powerful for you to make that choice right where you are today in this moment. Why don't you click that button right now as I pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. All the beautiful people that are watching this message right now, let I know that you love them more than I could ever fathom, more than they could ever fathom. And I'm praying, Lord God, that you would do something on the inside of their hearts that would just make them so open to receiving your love. Any thoughts of unworthiness, shame, things of that matter, Lord God, I know that those are not from you. Those are lies that try to keep us away from you, God. Your truth is love. You love us so infinitely. Why don't you pray this next part with me as you're making that choice in your heart to give your life to God. Say this, say, Father in heaven, thank you. Today is a new day, I'm a new creation, because I receive the free gift of your love, your grace, and your salvation. Fill me now with the presence of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.